You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cole Komet is off to a slow start to his rookie season, but Matt Nagy is making it a point to get his young tight end more involved moving forward. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox, and I'm here to bring you your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa. Everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. On the show today... We'll explore the lack of production from Cole Komet and why Matt Nagy plans on ramping his playing time up moving forward. Then we'll touch in on all of the recent special teams mistakes and the change at punt returner following Tariq Cohen's injury. And we'll wrap up with this Bears defense and how they're preparing for Tom Brady on a short week. For all the praise we heard this offseason about Cole Komet, and really the Bears prioritizing him with their first pick in the 2020 draft, his production this season has been close to non-existent. And we kind of knew heading into it that it's rare for rookie tight ends to be extremely big-time receivers in their first season. It's just not something that typically happens where it's a difficult transition for that position to adjust to the speed and strength of the NFL. And it takes pretty rare exceptional tight ends to be able to have big-time receiving seasons. So we knew that he wasn't going to come out and be a big-time thousand-yard number one tight end this season. But we also expected more than one catch through the first four games. He's only been targeted three times in four games. And it was that 12-yard catch against the New York Giants. And last week against the Indianapolis Colts, we even saw his playing time hit a season low of 15 snaps through the four games, a total of 83. So by, by week it was 20, 22, 26, and then dropped to 15 against the Colts. Matt Nagy insists that that wasn't intentional, and it's definitely going to change moving forward. 15 is not enough. He needs to be out there more, number one. Um, so we're, we're aware of that, and he is, the, he is doing a really good job at taking in this offense, which we knew from the, from the get-go that he was going to do. So now that he knows the tempo of the games, the adjustments, things that go on within the game, um, I feel like he's ready. So I, I, I hope here you guys will start seeing more of him. He's going to get more opportunities as we go. He's earned that right. And, uh, you know, that, that'll be our job as coaches to make sure it's more than 15. We talked a little bit yesterday about how the Bears changed their offensive personnel more so in the second half. And Nagy kind of spoke to that, that when they were fell behind on the scoreboard, they went to a lot more three wide receiver sets, which only leaves room for one tight end on the field, 
which was Jimmy Graham more often than not. So if Cole Komet is going to get more playing time moving forward, that that should mean, A, more two and three tight end sets, kind of more like they were doing in the first few weeks of the season. But I wonder if there could also be plays where Komet is the only tight end on the field when they do go with multiple wide receivers. We have seen Komet already get some looks lining, you know, split up out wide, still playing tight end, of course, but lining up at receiver positions, both in the slot and wide. Out of his 83 snaps this season, 20 of them have come at wide receiver positions, and three have actually come at fullback. Another thing, you know, putting him in the backfield, being able to do some different things with him, something to keep an eye on here is perhaps they can take advantage of moving him around and trying to get certain matchups in there as well, because otherwise... The targets have just not been there. Overall, the targets haven't really been there for anyone at the tight end position, but especially when Komet is getting the third most snaps of any tight end and really not getting very much opportunity in the passing game either, spending a lot of time run blocking, as you would expect when you get some of those multi-tight end sets. There's a lot of room for more opportunity there. And I think there's room for more opportunity for Demetrius Harris as well. So I'm curious if this means more of a reduction in Jimmy Graham's snaps versus more of a reduction in Anthony Miller's snaps since he's sort of the slot number three wide receiver. That kind of has to be everywhere that there's room to give because you're either taking a different tight end off the field or you're taking more wide receivers off the field to get Cole Komet on the field. And with Mooney as sort of your number two, maybe you do some 13 personnel sets with three tight ends and only one wide receiver on there like we've seen sprinkled in to start the season. But Somewhere, something's got to give here if Matt Nagy's truly going to get into more playing time for Cole Komet. Because at the end of the day, you want to have your five best skill players on the field as much as possible. And I guess you kind of nitpick when you start to get down to who your five are. Allen Robinson obviously going to be number one in that discussion. Darnell Mooney might be number two at this point. David Montgomery, of course, going to be one of those five. Then between... You know, Anthony Miller, Jimmy Graham, I mean, that, that's probably your best five right there with then Cole Komet kind of hovering at six, Cordero Patterson in that discussion, maybe Javon Wims and then Demetrius Harris in that next sort of tier, Ted Ginn as well. But you've got a lot of mouths to feed there. And I guess if I'm Matt Nagy and I'm looking at the different dynamics I'm working with on offense, I guess I feel like I'd be more inclined to take a few more snaps away from my 33-year-old tight end just to even kind of extend his wear and tear and his durability for the season, understanding that it's going to be difficult for him to play a full 16 games worth of heavy snaps every game. And his playing time has even fluctuated a little bit from week to week, from around 50 to around 40 and kind of hopping back and forth. But I almost think, you know, save Jimmy Graham a little bit more for the red zone and the goal line where he's caught three touchdowns this season and maybe get Cole Komet and Demetrius Harris more involved in between the 20s where, you know, Graham hasn't necessarily been a game breaker there just because the offense hasn't been looking to the tight ends all that much there either. At the very least, we're seeing Komet get some action on special teams, so he's getting some of that experience under his belt. But the Bears special teams as a whole really dropped off the last couple of weeks with some penalties and some real self-inflicted wounds that need to be corrected. We'll hear from special teams coordinator Chris Tabor on what's been going wrong and what changes we could see moving forward next on Locked On Bears. I don't know what exactly they changed over at Built Bar with their brand new flavors, but somehow they took the best tasting protein bar ever 
and made it taste even better than before. Like they took the best and then made a new best. I love the new formula even more than I love the old formulas. It was already the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. I love the caramel brownie flavor in particular. To me, it tastes just like a Milky Way candy bar, but it only has four grams of sugar, only 130 calories, and it's loaded with 17 grams of protein. I also love how the cookies and cream to me tastes like a chocolate-covered marshmallow. You can't go wrong with any of their flavors. They got six new ones plus their 12 originals. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're delicious, and they're good for you. It sounds too good to be true, but I promise if you try it for yourself, you won't be disappointed. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It feels like every season, in some shape or form, Bears special teams becomes a problem. It's not always the same way. It's not always just the kicker or kickoffs or whatever it might be. There's always some kind of problem somewhere. And typically it feels like self-inflicted wounds in different ways. And it really reared its ugly head against the Indianapolis Colts. There were penalties. There was a tipped blocked punt that wasn't fully blocked. So at least it got some yards and wasn't a massive turnover. We saw some ineffective returns as well. And just some general confusion and question marks about where things sort of stand on special teams. Losing Tariq Cohen to injured reserve definitely didn't help, and it was a little bit of a surprise to see Ted Ginn back there to return punts against the Indianapolis Colts, but special teams coordinator Chris Tabor evidently wanted the experience and consistency back there versus maybe some of the other guys on the roster that are a little bit younger and more agile. Ted's obviously a guy that's very well established in this league, he's done it a long time, and and uh, Windy Day, a guy that has experience, wanted to make sure at the end of the play that, that we had the football, knew that he would make good decisions. And uh, we have some other guys that are, are still developing that, that have a chance also for us. So uh, it was Ted's day, and I thought he did a nice job for us. Ginn didn't do a bad job by any means. wasn't spectacular, but you're only talking about three punt returns. It's not a ton of opportunity to do much. I think he had 18 yards on those three returns, a long of 10 for an average of six. But it was surprising just that given, yes, he's done punt returning a long time in his career, but over his last few seasons in New Orleans, he actually hadn't fielded a punt in a game since 2017. So he'd gone all of 2018 and 2019 without doing any punt returns. So not that it was, you know, it's not here like riding his bike. Like it's not like it's something he was going to forget how to do, and I'm sure that experience was valuable for him. But given how little he's been playing on offense and how he's 35 years old, I was kind of feeling like we'd see Anthony Miller because we've seen him fill in as the backup kickoff returner in the opportunities when Cordell Patterson hasn't been available. But I was kind of looking over this Bears roster, and I guess nothing jumped out to me as like, okay, well, who who would you use instead of Ted Ginn? Because Miller, through his career, only has one punt return, and it was earlier this season, I believe. It was right after Tariq Cohen was injured. He caught one punt against the Atlanta Falcons, and that was it. So I think that's part of why we were expecting him to fill in for that role instead of Ted Ginn. But like Cordero Patterson 
in his career has one punt return back in 2016. He tried it out. You know, even guys like Darnell Mooney never did any punt returning in college, although he did do some in high school, but not necessarily something you want to throw out there, uh, you know, just kind of at the last minute like that. And like, who else has sort of the speed, agility, athleticism, at least on offense, that you would trust back there? I mean, maybe, you know, like Eddie Jackson has been floated out there as a potential punt return option. I'd be kind of interested to see that, but you don't want to happen. You don't want anything to happen to him and lose him on defense, certainly. Or if there's any of these cornerbacks, you know, Duke Shelley, Kindle Vildor, even Jalen Johnson, if they have the speed and any experience doing that, it's hard to tell with a lot of those cornerbacks. But the Bears really don't have like a ton of true punt returner options. But at least Tabor left the door open there that maybe it won't begin for the whole season, but they wanted to start out with Ted Ginn just to kind of have that veteran consistency as they use these weeks of practices for guys like Anthony Miller, Darnell Mooney, etc. to build a little bit more experience fielding those out of the air. Regardless of who's back there, they can't keep shooting themselves in the foot with these penalties and mistakes that keep kind of popping up, especially in the last couple of weeks. And special teams coordinator Chris Tabor addressed some of that, but didn't necessarily address it in the way you might expect. First couple games, we did not have a lot of penalties. And these last two games we have, and that's been, uh, that's been disappointing. And there's, there's a difference, you know, between self-inflicted, like the false starts. We control those things. Uh, stuff down the field, guys giving effort penalties. Uh, you don't want those, but can you live with those? You can. Um, so there, there's, there's a little bit of difference. And then we just, we got, we got to get it cleaned up because this, this group that we're going to play on Thursday night, I mean, they're really good and well coached. So uh, we got our hands full. I get that sometimes penalties happen and you disagree with the referee's call and feel like that was one that maybe shouldn't have been called. But I, I don't know, I guess I felt I was a little bit surprised when he said, you know, that some of the penalties we can kind of live with and some of them are from effort. And I, I agree that I would rather have a guy get called for, a, you know, a, a chop block or a holding or a late hit than I would a false start because at least the false start is just kind of like a dumb mental error. But you can't have any special teams penalties. I mean, you can't, I mean, really, you can't have any penalties anywhere, but like those kind of free play special teams penalties that just give a bunch of extra yards to the other team without really any effort feel like some of the worst penalties, some of the most egregious. Like you can overcome a a five yard defensive holding penalty on defense, you know, but uh, to just give them a free 10 yards or nullify a big return by having a holding on your kickoff or punt return or allowing a guy through to, to tip and block a punt. I mean, those are not things you should live with. I, I mean, I get his point, but I also kind of felt like you, you need to crack down on those just as much as you need to crack down on the, the, the false starts. Because, I mean, if you're holding, you're still breaking the rules. I mean, you're still getting beat in some way that would lead you to need to hold. And again, some penalties maybe aren't justified, but what percentage of them? It's not going to be the majority. So I'd like to see a little bit more of an emphasis placed on that and and fundamentals and just see if this special teams group can kind of get their stuff together because after multiple seasons of having some of these questions about Chris Tabor's unit, I think a lot of us were surprised he survived not only Cody Parkey, but then even last season when the Bears made the offensive coordinator change and the offensive line change and kind of made, that was the time to make some changes on the coaching staff under Matt Nagy. I think we were a little bit surprised that Chris Tabor kept his job through that, given some of the 
kicker and other struggles they have had over the years. And I can't help but wonder if another poor special team season, if the Bears record doesn't pan out as a playoff record, if there's more disappointment and potential room for more changes to be made, if Tabor might be coaching for his job moving forward. So it's going to depend on Cairo Santos continuing to kick decently or if Eddie Pinero is going to come back and replace him he's got to keep it up because I think honestly Pinero's development and the consistency enough that we saw from him might be what kept Chris Tabor's job but it's going to kind of take a writing of the ship and a little bit more consistency on all aspects of special teams even with Tariq Cohen injured even with Sherrick McManus injured and, and not being available super regularly on special teams so far this year they got to get it together. There's a lot more than just one or two guys here or there that's making the mistakes. And it feels like it's it's a discipline, it's a consistency, and it's a coaching thing that ultimately comes down to Chris Tabor. A short week with a turnaround for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers isn't necessarily the best time to correct a lot of things that way, but it is helpful for them to be able to just move on quickly and get right back to work. But getting back to work for somebody like Tom Brady in just a few days is a tall task for any defense. Up next on the podcast, we'll hear Chuck Pagano's perspective on his rematch with Tom Brady after many years of back and forth in Indianapolis. Keep it locked right here on Locked on Bears. We're going to learn a lot more about where Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is right now this season on tomorrow's Crossover Thursday podcast with David Harrison from Locked on Buccaneers. But we know what Tom Brady is. We don't have to go through much of his resume to make it clear what the Bears are facing this season. Although 43-year-old Tom Brady is not the same as 33-year-old Tom Brady and trying to kind of parse out what the difference is and what to still expect from him in terms of quality of play is the real challenge. Although Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming off of a big 38-31 comeback win over the Chargers where Tom Brady threw for 370 yards at five touchdowns, really kind of looking like the younger Tom that we were used to. But Pagano has had a number of matchups with Brady over the years with some of that Colts-Patriots rivalry, and he's learned some lessons along the way, and I, I, was, I liked how candid he was about some of his mistakes in the past in prepping for Tom Brady and kind of now realizing that you just have to accept that he's one of the smartest and most effective quarterbacks in the NFL, and you can do everything you can to try and stop him, but at the end of the day, your players just have to play well. I've overcooked it a bunch of times in the past where we've gone in and, okay, because we're playing Tom Brady, we got to change all our signals because he, he knows everything, all the, all the verbiage, uh, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, by the end of the week, we, we sit there and we've said, you know, nobody knows what the hell we're talking about or what we're doing, no signals. You end up going back to using all, your, all the stuff you've been using. You try to be as discreet as possible. You know, now there's nobody in the stadium and everybody can hear everybody talk and, and say everything. And um, and he knows, you know, he knows what you're doing, you know, where guys are going to be. Uh, very seldom is he wrong. Uh, so at the end of the day, it does just come down to execution. 
you know, and he can, he can make you look, you know, foolish because he, he gets them in the right play 99.9% of the time and very seldom um, does, he, does he not do that. So it's really, really difficult. So at the end of the day, uh, we got to play 11 as one. Everybody's got to do their job, uh, do it to the best of their ability, execute. They're going to make some plays. We're going to make some plays and um, just kind of hang in there and keep, keep swinging and know that, you know, he's the, he's the GOAT. He's the best that's ever played that position, you know, statistically, whatever you want to say. I mean, it's hard. We've seen over the years there's no secret formula, really, to beating Tom Brady. I mean, the teams that have done it effectively, for the most part, you get pressure with four pass rushers and play really good coverage on the back end because you can't just blitz him because he'll eat that apart, and you can't just give him all day to throw because then he'll tear you apart too. So, I mean, there's no magic formula. You just have to have your players play really well and hope that you can get some pretty good success from your offense to kind of keep yourselves in that way and wait for there to be one or two mistakes maybe that Brady might make or maybe his receivers might make throughout the game that ultimately give you a chance to stay in it. But it kind of follows a trend we're seeing league-wide with a lot more scoring to start this season. Brady involved in a lot of that. In the last three games, the, the Buccaneers have scored 31-28 and 38. And, you know, the 38-31 victory with the Chargers is a good example of how we've been getting into more shootouts league-wide this season. And I liked Pagano's perspective on why we're seeing higher scoring games, not necessarily specifically with the Bears, but I think he makes some good points about the difference in offense and defense in the NFL in this pandemic season where the offseason was disrupted. I just think, you know, going through the offseason, uh, going through training camp, again, we don't make any excuses, but offensively you can go run your plays on air, ramp up period, where we couldn't go against each other. We can't do that defense, but they can go and run plays and work on timing and, and, and do everything, you know, on air and still execute um, where that becomes a, a little bit of a challenge uh, defensively. Uh, the level of quarterback play is, is off the charts. The type of offenses you're seeing, uh, they're spreading you, you know, uh, again, pillar to post, you know, they're stretching the field. The, um, the, the guys uh, skill at the skill positions are, you know, there's so much speed out there. Um, again, you got uh, the college influence of, of the read, you know, read zone coming in and, and we, we haven't faced the, you know, the, um, you know, Lamar Jackson's of the world, the Kyler Murray's, um, you know, Mahomes we did a year ago, but we haven't seen those uh, types yet. Um, but those guys present a, a huge challenge. So a tempo, um, it's, it's up-tempo. Uh, so I think the defenses uh, eventually will, will catch up some, but um, it, it's hard. You know, it's, it's, a difficult, uh, it's a difficult challenge. I think it's a sign that we could see defenses catch up even a little bit as the season goes on that there is more rust to knock off for defenses than there was for offense for a lot of those reasons Pagano mentioned with being able to work with receivers and timing against air and no defenses, even when practices weren't able to be full practices, but quarterbacks were able to kind of get with their receivers remotely and try and work on the offense and develop some of that timing. But you can't just get your defense out there and run man-to-man coverage when there's no receivers to cover in man coverage and your pass rushers can't pack it practice pass rushing when there's no blockers to practice against. So I think we're starting to see now defenses start to maybe get a little bit closer to full up to speed. And especially as 
the season goes on and everybody gets tape on everybody else. That's part of why we see games get a little bit more slow and ugly as the year goes on, in addition to the weather getting worse, making it more difficult for high-powered passing offense. But I, I don't know if, if week five here, especially on a Thursday night game turnaround, is going to be quite the moment for stingy defense in both directions with Tom Brady's offense pretty well firing on all cylinders and the Bears trying to get closer to up to full speed. But I think we're still in for a, a fun and exciting matchup and some higher quality football and higher quality of opponents, certainly, than we've seen the last few weeks. So I'm excited to really dive into this Buccaneers matchup tomorrow with David Harrison from Locked on Buccaneers. So make sure you're tuning back in for that one tomorrow and every day each week here on Locked on Bears. That's why we always say you should subscribe to the podcast because that's the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. If you want to go another layer deeper, I would suggest listening to Locked On Buccaneers as well. If you really want a full week's worth of scoop on the Bears opponent, that's the great part about the Locked On Podcast Network is we have local experts on every team bringing you content just like this five days a week. So every Bears opponent, you can always go and get the advanced scouting reports from them. We've got the Locked On NFL National Shows as well, bringing you all the biggest stories from all the local experts. I mean, we really got it covered for you here in every and all aspects. And then you could always come right back here to Locked On Bears and come away with one more opportunity to bear down.